your 6th grade announcer, G-Force O'Neill, with Charlie the Dog. Don't forget to pick up a copy of Ron Don's free buyer and seller playbook. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 342 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're going to talk about uh, the new vacation dump trend where they just, you know, you just go out somewhere and you get dumped, and you're on vacation, and people are paying lots of money for that. Also, uh, people made fun of Donald Trump and the Space Force, but guess what? It seems like the Space Force is going to go out and pick a fight with an asteroid. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, every time Ron comes over, he has a special relationship and connection uh, with Charlie the dog. He does with a lot of dogs. Uh, our friend Josh Kearns, who actually does a lot of our commercials, uh, when he does, you hear all these inter- interviews uh, from our different clients over the years. Uh, that's actually Josh Kearns. He used to be a reporter at Cairo for the Mariners. And he's kind enough to go out and do some reporting for us. He's amazing with dogs and cats. Just amazing with dogs and cats. Sometimes dog people aren't cat people. Cat people aren't dog people. I see him online and he, he, he's, he's, if you ever go have a cup of coffee with him, dogs will just walk over to him. If I was as as good with people as I am with dogs, I would be the most popular guy in Seattle. Anyway, a story about dogs, what they know and what they don't know, what they understand and what they don't understand. What would you you find out? Uh, This is interesting. And I actually just watched, there's a Netflix show too that does this. There's some scientists that have worked out a way to train dogs to go into an MRI. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of it, Don. They build this little, um, they build this little harness for the dog to stick its head in. And so there's a pad on the bottom and then there's a little thing that will stop their head on the top. And so they give them a piece of a hot dog to get them up onto the bed of the MRI. And then they've trained them to stick their head into that harness so they, their head remains still. And then they give them a treat on the other side uh, of the MRI tube uh, so that then they, then they stay. So they give them a second to calm down. And so they're doing several different experiments. So one of them is like, does your dog really love you? And so in that experiment, they have the MRI going and they give the dog a treat and they see which pleasure center lights up in the brain. And then a couple of minutes later, they will have their owner show up and give them like a gesture or a a greeting and they'll see which pleasure centers of the brain light up when they're with their human. And so in that experiment, it's good to know that if you have a good relationship with your dog, it likes you as much, if not a little more than a hot dog. (laughs) So that's a good one. In this one, they did a similar thing where they're like, does the dog have the capacity to understand language? Because we've all seen the unicorn dogs that like will do specific things. There's videos on, on the internet of like, pick up the yellow ball and a dog will walk over and pick up a yellow ball. There have been dogs that have a vocabulary of 200 words or more where they can know the difference between the yellow ball and the green ball, or they can pick up different objects or do different things. And so these scientists were like, okay, do they, does the average dog understand language? Have, have they evolved so much that they can understand language? 
And so the you can read the story for yourself if you want the, the nitty-gritty, but they think that what is happening is that dogs don't necessarily know the meanings of the individual words, but they've they've come to anticipate what these sounds are are conveying. In other words, they're like when you say sit, it doesn't literally know the what our definition of sit. It's associating those sounds with the behavior. And then it also will associate sometimes it predicts the dog's brain is searching for the next thing of like uh, making they, they, they likened it to like when your text is trying to anticipate the word that they think you need next, the, the interpretive text or whatever that's called, predictive text, that the dog's brain is similar to that. That there's this interspecies thing of like they don't when you give your dog a sentence, it doesn't know what it means. And because one of the tests they did is that if you take away the the inflection uh, and you just say the word without going sit or without you know when Charlie comes in and going hey like raising the pitch of your voice and saying hey Charlie and like you have that baby talk sort of thing with a pet. If you just take away the the tone and the intonation, the dog's the 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 vocabulary the recognition goes way down like it it's interpreting tone it's interpreting these sounds and it's trying to anticipate what's next so it's more associations than it is knowing the specific words yeah what's interesting is i when when we were looking at getting a dog and asking santa for a dog three years ago it's been three years crazy um i read a lot about his breed and he's he's a golden doodle and they say out of all the breeds with the poodle and the golden in him, uh, as far as his intellect goes, he's 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 ranked in the top five out of 150 d- different breeds. And so I tried some of these things with him as far as sit goes without the inflection in, and he still sits. Uh, but to your point, without really coaching him about when, because there's certain things that he does when he sits, and then there's commands after that. And most of what he does is repetition. He knows he's going to sit. He knows he's going to shake. He knows he's going to go down. He knows that something's going to be thrown. He's going to have to stay there. And then at some point, he gets to go and get that. What's really interesting is is when you say kennel to him, uh, the kennel is actually up in my son's room now. And the kennel used to be downstairs. And he knows the kennel. Like if you like if he was here right now and I said to kennel, he would get up and he would go in, in my in my son's room. So, so, and it doesn't matter how I say it, like kennel, he gets it and he understands it. So I think my dog is just far superior to any of these other uh, breeds that you've been reading it, about. It doesn't surprise he, me that Charlie you Charlie knows exactly what I'm saying is I, I guess my point. It doesn't surprise me that you went out and said, give me the top five breeds. <laughs> I want a list and I'm going right to the top five. Yeah. I can't have breed number seven. Forget right. about it. Yeah. And the other thing is where, where what's interesting to me is. You're, Gunner and I always don't do it. My son, we always don't do a, a great job of giving him the same commands. But Charlie's around me, you know, 100% of the time and Gunner maybe 70% of the time because Gunner's off to school and some other things. And Charlie's just with me all the time. I take him in the car if I go on a, a Ron and Don sit down at someone's house, whatever it is. And, and, it, and it's interesting when Gunner kind of comes back in the picture because if Gunner's been gone too long, a lot of times we have to reestablish the pecking order. And I used to make the mistake of letting him sit in the front seat. And if I let him sit in the front seat when we're driving around, 
uh, he immediately thinks he's number two and not number three. Well, he is in that my, context. When my, when my son comes back. Do you, so. you use complete sentences with him when you're driving around? Uh, no, I don't. So if someone cuts you off, you're like, Charlie, look at this guy. Where did you learn how to drive? I can't believe that you're... Uh, all right, we'll see you guys on the other side of this. You can just tell that, they, uh, that they're just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we, you know, we got, we got some, some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we sat down with... with Ron and Don. Mm-hmm. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail. Um, and then they just came in with a, with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with. So, I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with uh, the the entire, uh, the sit down, the, the experience and, and the results, of course. There was a friendship that developed and a, and, and a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say a trust and then, you know, we yeah. had, we love them. It's been a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that, you know, Dawn's just down the street is, is comforting. <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Dawn friends of ours now, and we do miss working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have and um, and now lifelong friends. It's the Ron and Don Nation. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Whether you've tuned in for the radio show or the real estate business, you're in for one heck of a show. My dad pays me to say that. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. A lot of times this time of year, I can just tell from my Airbnb registrations, people will get together during Thanksgiving. That's typically when they when they plan New Year's at Thanksgiving, believe it or not. Christmas has already been planned. And then kind of Christmas, New Year's. I'll start seeing a lot of people start to book things for the spring and the summer. So that's when I begin to open up the calendars uh, for that. Interesting, though, uh, some people, I can afford it, uh, seem to no longer just presume. Because a lot of people from from here, where where do we go in the wintertime? A lot of people go to Cancun. A lot of people go to uh, Maui. In fact, I'm going to try to rip a trip over to uh, Maui here in a couple weeks. And then a lot of people... Uh, we see if they want to play in the snow, a lot of people head over to places like Idaho, Montana. We see those places really growing leaps and bounds right now, especially when it comes to real estate. And then, and then I would say too, we see people going down to, to Scottsdale and it used to be a lot of older people go down the Palm desert, but we're seeing all different, uh, all different ages now head down the Palm desert. Interesting though, Ron always, you know, does the work of not picking up the phone, calling a travel agent and saying, Hey, uh, book me on a trip. I want to go to Jordan. I want to see Egypt and uh, book a couple other places. And then you're stuck with a bunch of people going on the same trip for the next three weeks. He always kind of books those trips himself. Uh, this is kind of interesting, though. Uh, what about if somebody did a Bear Grylls thing and just dumped you 
out in the middle of nowhere. Seems like the vacation dump is beginning to uh, explode, and people have interest in that. Have you ever been interested in getting going on a vacation dump and just being dumped somewhere and trying to figure it out? The article you sent me from the New Yorker was a fascinating read, and I I get it, but I don't think that that's the way that I'm wired. So to set this up, there's a, a these luxury vacation companies now, and the the trip that Don's talking about is called Get Lost. And so you don't know, you, you pay this company and you book your trip and maybe it's $10,000. It can be $15,000. They're expensive trips and they don't tell you what's going to happen or, or where it's going to be. And so in this particular writer for the New Yorker, uh, a couple, maybe a week out from when his, his trip was scheduled, they said, you're going to go to Morocco and here's the type of, of gear that you're going to need to bring. And so when he got to Morocco, uh, he met with a former, I believe he was a Marine or an Army Ranger, and he did some training. And then they basically drop you off in the middle of nowhere with a map, your backpack, and some supplies and say, in two days' time, you need to make it 18 miles away. And rendezvous point number one is here. There's going to be some extra supplies and water for you. And then Ron, so you had to do nine miles a day in a foreign country in this valley that would be cold in the evening and over a hundred degrees at night. And he had minimal training. Uh, they didn't, he wasn't allowed to bring a lighter. So he had to make a fire out of like a Flint. Uh, I believe he had a knife, uh, no gun and, and didn't even have a tent. They had a, a, a tarpon that he could put up. And so part of the thing was no cell phone. So, he, you basically are trained to navigate this 18 miles in a foreign country, rugged terrain, but very beautiful. And that was the challenge. If you make it, uh, he, he did have an SOS beacon, but if you make it, or probably if you don't make it, but if you make it successfully, the reward is then you spend uh, three or four days in this luxury accommodations in Morocco. That's sort of your reward. But they said there is this trend where people want to get back to basically a, a, an analog life, analog camping, learning some skills. And so this guy encountered some, you know, village people that are out uh, singing YMCA in the mountains of Morocco uh, in a tent. And he just sort of he had tea with them. And he had this adventure as he goes through it um, and slept on the ground, made a campfire. And he said that the, the amount of satisfaction he got from making a fire with a flint was like, you know, winning a Pulitzer. It was like, oh my God, I got these sticks. I pulled this thing out of my backpack and I was able to make a fire with the training he got. And, and said it was just really a great sense of accomplishment, more than more than it should be, but it really was meaningful to him. And he made the the two-day trip, went the climbed this mountain of 8,000 feet, made it the 18 miles. Uh, and it turned out that this, this army ranger was, was he a Marine or an army ranger? Army Ranger. He, yeah. The Army Ranger was tracking him 500 to 1,000 yards back to make sure that he didn't die, but he didn't know that he was being tracked. Uh, and it seemed like a cool adventure. And then they all met up afterwards at the luxury place. And this, the New Yorker would have you believe, is the latest trend in travel. Yeah. I, I think the most interesting thing about all that, like my, we'll be the last generation that knows, you know, what it, what it's like to have a phone and a recording device and in our pockets. And also we knew a life when we didn't have any of that. I remember looking at maps. Yeah. And, and, and I saw a meme the other day and it, it's, 
it was a meme and it it was just a bunch of bikes like 12 bikes parked all different ways like in, in the bikes that we rode when we were kids and it said something like this is how you know that everybody was over at johnny's house not because anybody called or text you just you saw the 12 13 bikes out front and i have begun to do something now i i was shocked a couple of weeks ago we had a bunch of stuff going on and we were bringing a house on that had a lot of complications just for me and i was running six different crews in and out of this house and there was one day in particular where I was with my son, but I wasn't with him. And it was evening, and I was on my phone the whole time just trying to – we were bringing this thing to market, and, and I was running into issues, just trying to figure it out. And and I looked at my phone the next day, and it, and it said that I had spent eight hours and 47 minutes on the phone on the previous day. Eight hours and 47 minutes. And I said, you know what? In the same way that I time block to work, I have to start time blocking to give my brain a break because everything that I've read about this brain and my son's brain just being controlled uh, by big tech and really being controlled and exposed to all these screens. It's like when he gets up in the morning and he's on a little vacation right now, the first thing he thinks about is is the game that he wants to play on on his screen versus hey I'm I'm gonna I wonder what I'm having for breakfast today or I want I, I wonder if I'm gonna get up and and do a little workout today or I wonder if I'm gonna go walk the dog today so for him and I now I've I've been time blocking space like before you came over today and he's on it he was on his screen but he knows when the screen time stops. And when the boxing begins or he's been down working on some of his homework on some of his math, that he's struggling with a little bit right now, or he just left and said, I'm going to walk the dog. Uh, and he asked me the other day if he could get a phone. And I said, why do you need a phone? He said, well, all my friends have a phone. And we were, it was interesting. We were, we went to get his, him vaccinated the other day at his middle school. And he was asking me about this phone. And I said, you know, if, if, my fear is if we get a phone, you're just going to be on your phone all the time, and then we're going to lose this. So he had gotten vaccinated, and we had to go sit in this room for 15 minutes. So we sat there, and we had a conversation. I think I shared a little bit of this, but I, I could tell. Uh, and I looked around, and I saw some of the other parents in the room, and they were on their phones. They were on their phones, and their kids, who are my son's age, 10, 11, 12 years old, they all had phones, and they were on their phones. And we sat there for 15 minutes, and at the end of 15 minutes – I, I asked my son to look around and I said, see all those, see all those parents? I said, yeah. And I said, see their kids? She said, yeah. See them not talking to each other? He said, yeah. I said, that, that's the thing that I fear is going to ha happen with us. And, and then I told him the three different things that he and I had just talked about that I thought were really cool. And I said, I wouldn't have known those things about you and we wouldn't have that conversation if we weren't willing to sit here and, and, and put our phones away. Uh, so that, that, that's, I, I, I could see going on a trip where you're like, Hey, I think you would love this. The, trip. the, the phone, the, the phone's not coming. The screen's not coming. And, and, and I think our, our brains are, are almost relieved when we go and do something like this. I think so, we should do so. this. You do the, the 18 mile survivalist hike and I'll meet you at the luxury <laughs> a hotel at the end. That sounds good. That seems like the way we, you and I are wired. Yeah. All right. We'll talk more on the other side of this.
Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans, the official mortgage guy of the Ron and Don Nation. And Mitch, I want to ask you this because I'm sure you get it every day just like we do. People want a crystal ball for the Puget Sound area real estate market. What's going to happen in 2022? When is the right time that I should buy? When is the right time I should sell? All of these questions, I I get why people want to ask them, but from the finance mortgage side, how do you approach that? How do you think about that? Uh, Because some of these things are unknowable, but people still want to know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I do sound a little biased, but I trust me, I'm not. Um, The right time to buy is now. Rates are predicted to go up just steadily for the next year or two. They've been pressing them down somewhat artificially, somewhat just due to the economy, but rates are down and they are not gonna stay that way, which means money's cheap. But unfortunately in this King County area, there's a lot of people getting paid a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So waiting might not be the call. As you wait longer and longer, there's all this tech money coming in. And even if rates go up, there's still gonna be able to be people who are able to buy million dollar, $2 million homes. And there are a lot of them. I work with a lot of couples who both make 150K plus a year, right? And that buys you a lot of house and it will continue to buy a lot of house. So buying now before there's too many of those people is huge. You don't want it to turn into the next San Francisco and have missed out on buying your first home. So in the mortgage community, people are forecasting some rises coming in 2022. What does that mean for the sellers where they're saying, I want to put my house on the market right now and then buy something else? Uh, again, we can't time the market, but what we can do is say, here's what we're seeing, right? Yeah, what we're seeing is selling's really easy, buying's hard. Okay. And unfortunately, that that may not change. It may change, um, but in the in the short term, sell, it's a seller's market, and gotcha. it has continued to be a seller's market. All right, he's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ron and Don Nation. You can get him at Mitch.loans. That almost said Mitch.weeks. Mitch.loans is his website, Mitch.loans. Tell him you're with Ron and Don and you save half a percent on that new loan. Mitch, we appreciate it. Uh, the case study today. Yeah. Switch to Mitch. All right, you guys. Uh, welcome back to the Ron and Don show. A lot of people laugh. The former president was talking about a space force, but it seems like every time I turn around now, someone's flying to space. It's just not William Shatner, but did you watch Space Force with Steve Carell? On I, I never watched Space Force. It's pretty funny. I'll have to check that out. Uh, is it the office just with space suits? No. Oh. Because uh, Steve Carell plays a general that's actually competent. Oh. And he understands how ridiculous the Space Force is. Okay. It's pretty funny. You should check yeah. it out. It's good. Why, why are we picking on uh, this, this in the news today? It, it, it seems like we're about to pick a fight with an asteroid. What's going on here? I, I have to ask you, do you, when, when I read stories like this, half of me is super intrigued and interesting, and I'll tell you the details in a second. The other half of me is like, with all the social issues we have in America. This is what the government is spending money on. Like it's sort of like it. I am really torn by that. Just if you have any sort of social justice uh, mentality in your body, you read this and go, huh? So like we, we, you could have taken this budget and done so many practical things with it. Housing, I, I, I think it's like picking on a president for golfing though. And, and they all golf or riding his bike or he's on vacation. And it's like, if you're the president, man, you're never on vacation. The football is always there. It doesn't matter whether you're on Air Force One or overseas or Camp David or you're, Mar-a-Lago. You're probably right. You're, you're, you're it, on the clock and you're, and, you're, and you're working. And I think in this particular case, yes, we have to be able to do, we have to be able to do all these things. Uh, and, and especially as we learn more 
about climate change. There will be a time when it's lights out and it'll be interesting to see where humankind ends up or if humankind just becomes extinct at that so point. So this particular program is uh, a bunch of engineers and space scientists that sit around and they go, what would happen if an asteroid, a big asteroid, is headed to Earth? How are we going to protect the Earth? Well, then you would uh, you would say, wow, this canyon is grand, and let's sell tickets, and we'll fly helicopters, and we'll hike through it. And then one day, evil Knievel will get on something that doesn't look like a motorcycle and attempt to jump the Snake River on a motorcycle that's actually a rocket, and that didn't work either. That was not what they said. <laughs> So they're testing out a plan right now, and they're yeah. going to send a, a a rocket, not a rocket, they're going to send a spacecraft at 15,000 miles an hour to run into an asteroid and see how far off its course they push the asteroid. So, uh, and I believe that Ashton Kutcher and, uh, and what's his, Bruce Willis are going to be at the helm. So they've picked this asteroid, I think it's 10 million miles away from Earth. They know its orbit, and so they're going to have telescopes and video stuff trained on this deal. And then it's going to take 10 months for the spacecraft to get there, and then they're going to point it at the asteroid and just ram right into it and then measure, did, we, did, this, did this push it off course enough that if this asteroid had been headed for Earth that we would send it? out into into space instead of hitting the earth so basically we're, we're going to play the space force is going to play bumper cars with with, yes. with asteroids bumper space force thinking that one day an asteroid could come and hit a heavily populated area like san francisco or new york city or something like that and and, and that's the reason why we have to be prepared you would think that the rest of earth should hell have to pitch in here because we're not just saving america you're saving the whole earth yeah because you know the, the whole theory of when the last extinction of the dinosaurs uh, asteroid hits the planet, shoots all this dust up into the air. Uh, it clouds out the sun, which stops photosynthesis and then kills off this huge extinction. It just didn't happen in one country. It was, it was worldwide. Yeah. Just like, uh, you know, Pitbull says he's worldwide. And then Adam and Eve were born. I think that's a different timeline. Oh yeah. Were Adam and Eve before or after the dinosaurs? <laughs> Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. Episode 342. Uh, don't forget three things you can do. Hit subscribe, and then every time we have an episode, it'll drop into your inbox. Get signed up for the Nation News. Uh, we're not going to sell our list. We'll just reach out to you one time a week, usually with something that I've written or Ron's written. So reach out to us at ronanddonsitdown.com and just click on the carrot to get signed up for the Nation News. And also, if you need to sit down with us, just go to ronanddonsitdown.com and you can schedule a time today. We do that virtually. It's about 45 minutes. It doesn't cost a thing. And we can talk about your real estate journey uh, or someone you love and care about. We've had a lot of referrals this year where you've told friends and family about us, and we are deeply appreciative uh, for that as well. If you need a loan, Mitch.loans. If you need tires, go to lesschwab.com. While you're there, why not drop off a toy? It's a symbol to a child during the holidays that they have not been forgotten. Thanks, Dave Ross, for that. In the meantime, keep your head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Episode 343 will be here just before you know it. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. All right on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.